Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have my guest in Carolina Costa, VP of Partnership Development at the Pac-12 Networks, and just excited to talk about her experience, her journey, uh, and nonetheless, uh, just a great person in general uh, within the industry and, and certainly a rising star. So Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. That should be it. That was great. You nailed it. Done. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, like it's funny how all worlds, you know, collide at some some sort sort of fashion, right? Where um, I actually got to work at the Rose Bowl in in college. You worked at UCLA within the IMG group, right? So similar kind of paths. Um, you worked at the Mets, and I got to know uh, Brian Fling over there, who then introduced me to you and we've kind of stayed in touch and, and then we kind of all walk in similar circles right and so I think it's just kind of neat uh how how it all aligns if we had a dollar for every time we heard it's a small world out there I mean <laughs> it's so true you'd be rich you'd be rich yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and then and then what would you do then but that's you would not be walking in the same circles anymore <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that's the last question of this episode uh, <laughs> surprise surprise uh, all right, well, walk us through kind of where you got started, obviously being in the Pac-12 now, but having kind of multiple different experiences along the way. Yeah, so, you know, I've been in partnerships essentially since the start of my career. Like I started at UFC as an intern in the sponsorship department, which was sort of just fortuitous, really, that I got placed because there were several at the, you know, when I applied at the time, there were several different avenues and different internships that they had. And I got, I got placed into the, into the sponsorships team, which was amazing. And, you know, they were growing a ton at the time. So I think I got to do a lot more as an intern than maybe I would have ordinarily and just sort of stuck on that track <laughs> throughout. Um, when, when, when you, when you talk to some colleagues, I feel like there's a common theme sometimes within the partnerships world of like, you don't necessarily ever hear anyone go, yeah, I want to go into sponsorships or I want to go into partnerships, but then they somehow end up in it and they're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. This is more complex than anything else, right? Like, and they go down that route, but they don't know it until they get into it. Yeah, you know, and I think like, had I had my druthers at the time, I would have wanted to do a community or a marketing internship because I think, I think that was one of the tracks as well. Um, but yeah, it was great. Like I said, it was just really fortuitous. And I think what's really cool about partnerships is that you really do have your hand kind of in everything. You're obviously very much external facing with clients, which I think is very interesting. So you can kind of, you know, keep a pulse on what's going on in the industry and, you know, what brands are looking for and just new and different trends. Plus you have to stay super involved and keyed in on what's happening internally among a bevy of different departments so that you like you can obviously execute on what you've got with your within your existing partnerships what's new like what you can package what you can um what you can upsell on things like that so you kind of have to be everywhere which is more interesting 
it's almost like you're a jack of all trades, but you're not a jack of all trades in a way. Yeah, you're a jack of all trades, but you should probably be an expert in your in your partners, like what your partners are up to. Right. So talk us through how you put yourself in the partner's shoes, right? Like you have to almost think of yourself as the extension of their brand when you're working on behalf of them or you're trying to pitch them and, and be part of the story, right? So how do you go about that process and what have you learned along the way? Yeah, I think I think really what it's about is just having an understanding of what their goals are, right? And they're always changing. So it's always taking some time to, you know, not just do like status calls and, you know, here, like, you know, your, your creative is updated now, so we're good. Or like, you know, here, like, what do you want to do with your tickets for next week's event or whatever? It's always, you know, what else is going on with you guys? Like, you know, anything new that we should be aware of, any new initiatives, any new products, any, you know, things like that. Um, just asking questions to make sure, like I said, to make sure you know what the current goals are so that you can speak intelligently, even internally, right? Like if there, if there's a, if a partner's got a social platform and there's like a particular theme that they're after, like you can kind of advocate for them um, in a more specific way that'll move the needle with the client. Um, that makes no sense. So when you think about your, cause you started on the activation side, right. And then have moved into the sales side, what's been the biggest difference, but also learning kind of journey from going from activation to sales. Yeah. And I'm still super involved in the activation side of things. Like I oversee our activation team. Um, and, you know, our team is super involved on the front end sales side of things. Um, and then obviously with renewals as well, I guess I would say there's just like not as big of a difference <laughs> as you might think. You're always, you're always selling at all times, no matter what, whether it be in a very obvious way, like with a renewal coming up, <clears throat> you know, or trying to pitch an upsell to an existing client or just, you know, like, you know, navigate, like navigating COVID, like everybody did you know, it's, it's selling an existing client on like, here are all the great things that we're still doing. Here's why it still makes sense to be a partner with us. And, you know, like there's all, there's always something where you have to like do some negotiating. And I think that's, that's just prevalent throughout, no matter what. What's been the biggest difference between the college landscape and then your time at the Mets and MLB and, you know, obviously between the two, still a lot of events, right? A lot of games, yeah. um, but biggest difference from a business perspective. The biggest difference from a business perspective is, um, I would say, like the priorities and the motivating factors behind what drives each business. This is like a very broad statement, right? But I would say it, at, at the Mets or MLB or professional sports, revenue drives a lot of decisions. So if you can back up you know, a proposal by saying, hey, if we can do X, Y, Z, we can get this client on board for X number of dollars and for X number of years. And here's why that makes business sense for us. If you do the same thing and you turn around and do the same thing, I think in the college landscape, it's, it doesn't move the needle quite as much, or it's not as easy of a path necessarily. You're going to have to like buttress that argument with some other, like, you know, other things like this, this partner is also heavily involved in DEI efforts, or they also want to make a donation to, you know, some, some organization that student athletes are heavily involved in or some, something potentially 
besides just like, hey, there's incremental revenue here. It's it's interesting because um, obviously both like both organizations need revenue, right? But I think there's a little bit more, I think a little bit more generally like red tape and politics in in collegiate athletics, and you know that that certainly has to do with compliance and. NIL issues with student athletes. It's, it's just, it's, you know, there's, there's more to navigate, I think. As, as our co-host Andy says, a lot more stakeholders and you can't even count them. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Right. Right. So <laughs> you mentioned NIL, how is that affecting the sponsorship landscape and, or even just changing how brands are thinking about partnerships in the space as a whole? It's a good question. I, you know, I don't know that it's changing it a ton right now, kind of only because it's so uh, unknown, like the rules and regs are just very unclear and, you know, how to, how to play in that space is, is very unclear at this point. Additionally, like as the conference, we're not allowed to really touch any NIL deals. Like we can't facilitate anything. So if, I, if a client of ours wants to do an NIL deal, we can say, Sound, sounds great, keep us posted, you know, and, and they have to go and like forge those relationships on their own. Um, and I think, you know, people are kind of just also looking, I think at the moment, like looking back and say, saying like, what's everyone else doing? Like, what are people doing in influencer marketing in general right now um, before really doing a deep dive into NIL? specifically. So it, like I said, the short, short answer is it hasn't affected our business too much, but I think it, I think it will continue to evolve, um, especially as kind of, like I said, rules and regs get a little bit more solidified. Yeah. I think as something's new, right. There's kind of that domino effect of like waiting for a couple things to pan out and see if the investment is yeah. worth it and, and all of that sort of stuff. And obviously there's going to be the called emerging brands or, or, those that are willing to take more risk, right, than others and, and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to kind of see where it evolves and, and yeah. how it affects the landscape as a whole. And I think there's a way to make that really mutually beneficial. Like, I also hope that down the road, kind of the, you know, we, we aren't as handcuffed and we are able to help facilitate some of those relationships too, because I think it could be a win-win. So there's a, it's all, it's, it's continuing to evolve. So we shall see. Always, always. Uh, as as we as we kind of mentioned in the, the the pandemic times, it was like everything is changing, everything's pivoting, right? Well, that's that's just always, right? That's yeah. not so, uh, <laughs> pertaining to that time period, although it may have seemed like it. Um, when you think about how to describe what you do, the Pac-12 networks, right? Like the difference between the conference and what you get to sell versus maybe a property or a pro team. Can you talk a little bit about for those who are, are, are thinking like, oh, where do I start, right? Because you got your start at UFC, which is, is a whole different landscape, but yeah. you know, to, to even just dive into the college versus pro and then the conference level, right? And what you're able to do and what you're able to learn. Yeah, so our, I mean, so I'll just, I guess I'll talk about Pac-12 specifically for a minute, but so we're, we're uniquely set up in that. So I'm technically a Pac-12 Networks employee, but the Pac-12 Networks is wholly owned by the Pac-12 Conference. So that's, which is actually for, from a partnerships perspective, 
really great because we can sell kind of these fully integrated 360 partnerships that include everything that the networks has to offer from a media perspective, you know, linear, digital, and social. Plus we can sell everything that the conference would typically offer on its own. So that's, you know, mainly the championship events. So like the typical on-site signage, hospitality, game day activation, um, things like that. So that's, that's, I think, really unique and interesting and sort of like our value prop at the, at the Pac-12. So I don't know that that's necessarily how all, all conferences are set up, right? Um, and I would say, you know, like kind of like we talked about, you know, in the activation versus sales, like partnerships, if you, if you know how to, if you know how to maintain and create relationships, like, again, not, you, you can make it work in a professional setting and sorry, in a professional sports setting or a college setting or whatever, you know, I think it's, that's really, especially, especially here, that's what it has really boiled down to. It's like, how can you, can you maintain relationships um, and, you know, always figure out the best way to, you know, manage, manage your team and manage the partnerships so that they, they like want to stay and they feel like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a reason why they're partnering with with you and with the organization. Right. The value's got to be there. What, when you think about the relationships piece, let's dive just a little bit deeper into that. Cause it's interesting, right? It's like, everybody says, oh yeah, you got to create relationships. You got to network, you got to do this. You got how do you do that, right? Like, and the how is going to be different for everybody and what works, but how do you go about maintaining or getting to know someone different, you know, differently than just the status calls or whatever the case might be? Like, what are some of the things that you, that's worked for you really well over the years? Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess a couple of things. And obviously it's like a little bit different now with COVID and that there are probably generally less touch points to, you know, physically meet up with people and, you know, go grab a drink, which I think is super helpful to kind of, you know, have, have the, have the ability to talk to people just sort of outside of just like you said, like the general working status calls. Right. I think that's important again, because you also can do a deeper dive on like what exactly is going on. um, And, you know, what are some changes to be looking for and, and things like that. So um, I think it's fun making, making opportunities like that, especially in COVID when maybe necessi- you can't necessarily do that as easily as you were able to previously. So whether it's like shooting, like, oh, I saw, I'm making it up. Like I saw your product at the store, like I just bought there or whatever, just, you know, finding, finding ways to, to hit clients with something that's a little bit beyond the normal, like, where's your LED creative or whatever. Um, and I think really off the bat, what's helpful is like coming super prepared so that you build trust right away. Like if, if a partner knows you're like working hard and kind of ha- are speaking intelligently about, about the partnership or about their business specifically, that I think kind of like microwaves, if you will, the relationship so that you can kind of like get to the next phases and, and go a little bit deeper. Well, I, I think you're not going to get the details you maybe want unless you, like you mentioned, like you, people got to feel comfortable, right? Like they're only going to disclose what they want to disclose. And then they have to feel comfortable that whatever they tell you, right, you know, doesn't come back to bite them or whatever the case might be. For sure. Which, yeah, which is definitely a situation that happens a lot. And like, especially during COVID, like during COVID, that I know is what saved us 
from a business perspective is that since we had such good relationships with our clients, we were able to be as very transparent and they were able to be transparent back and we could kind of maintain and figure things out as everybody was navigating through whatever was happening at the time. Yeah. When you think about the the partnership landscape and those that are getting into it, right? So you're coming out of college, grad school, you're going from a coordinator to a manager, whatever it might be. What are some of the things you learned along the way early on that you know now that you wish you would have known then? Um, that's interesting. For me, for, for me personally, it probably would have been just like, you could, you could probably relax a little bit. (laughs) No, no one's curing cancer here, right? Like you'll be fine. And, you know, as long as you're working hard, it'll, it'll work out. Like I said, that's probably just like specific me advice. Um, One thing I would say that I notice a lot now is people are not as willing to move, just physically move around. I think that really helped me, um, you know, earlier in my career, I was just like, I'll go wherever. And so I did two, like I did two cross country moves, which I don't necessarily recommend. It's a huge pain in the butt, <laughs> but it was not to see a lot of the country, right? Did you drive? Yeah, it was, but it was, I mean, I don't, I in no way regret it. Right. It was such good experience. <clears throat> and again, just being open to kind of any different opportunity, like I said, I think really helped me. And I think exposed me to different types of people, different types of partnerships, like different types, like different, you know, verticals of business, things like that. So um, that I think is more valuable maybe than, than people realize. Yeah. It's sometimes there, there's a component of, like you said, the culture, the brands that exist, right? Like when I worked at Purdue, we had quite a few ag companies that were really big sponsors. And then you figured out oh, there's like seed companies and there's, right? Like there's right. all these different components of that industry that you had no clue about, uh, but really big components of the economy in that part of the country, right? So- For sure. And now that's like probably a fun party trick for you. You can bring up your <laughs> seed knowledge. <laughs> my, seed, my seed knowledge, knowing a little bit of the ag business, but uh, only enough to talk intelligently to somebody who- is a novice, but who doesn't know about from the expert. Yeah. It's but that's yeah, most yeah. people. True. That is most that's like 99% of the people. Right. Um until you until next, you meet the next the episode of the podcast is gonna be you teaching us about seeds. Yeah, that might be a short one. I know I can talk and I know my guests can talk. That might be a short one. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, although I know some people who could talk about it. So that's where yeah we can make we can make there you go. Yeah you can yeah. Yeah. Make a little what's, more what's one brand that you've worked with over the time uh, thus far in your journey that has been the most interesting to you, whether it was like an emerging brand, a new product, like what was one brand you've worked with that just was, was super different from the rest? That's a really interesting question. Well, one of the first that comes to mind is a current client of ours at the Pac-12 in Nextiva. Um, they're, yeah, they're a communications brand. So it's like, it's not a new, um, 
it's not an emerging business or anything, but they're, they're a relatively new company and like a, a smaller player in the space who is looking to, to grow and like kind of, you know, looking to find its footing and grow on the West Coast and sort of used our partnership to get, just gain a lot more brand recognition and traction. Um, and so, and, and, you know, like I said, since, since it was sort of their first foray into that um, and into sports, into sports marketing and partnerships in general, um, that was a really interesting client to work with as far as like, okay, we're really kind of starting from scratch here. You know, what is it that you're looking to do? How can, how can we help? How can we pivot? How can we educate? Um, things like that. So that education word though, that you just use is cute is, is huge, right? Cause there's, there's the brands that you're going to work with. They already know what they want. They're just going to tell you. Right. And, mm-hmm. and there's a component of like, whether it's a national campaign and they're, con- you know, they're doing the same thing across the board, but then to your point, like there's people who've never done this before. They think they know what they want to do. And there's an element of like, yeah, we can do all these really cool, exciting things that you want to do. And then there's the education process, a little bit of here's, here's some best practices right here. Here's how brands like yours in your industry go about it. Right. And, and some nuances there. So the education process, how do you go about that knowing, you know, through the sales process, right. Knowing that someone may not be as familiar with the lingo and the products and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really just about always over communicating, right? Like taking an idea, kind of digesting. It's it's really just working collaboratively with the client. So like it it kind of then eventually turns into sort of a brainstorming process. Like they think, oh, we want to do this this we have this crazy idea, we love it. Like can can we do it? And you're like, well, yeah, okay. So what's you know tell us what do you, what do you want to get? Like, what's the end goal? What do you want to get out of this? Okay. Well, we want to get, you know, more, more social engagement. Um, and, you know, we want to use our tickets more efficiently or, you know, whatever. And we think, okay, that makes sense. So I can see how, you know, maybe some of, maybe some of these components in your original idea make sense, but like, maybe we tie in something else, like, you know, season long sweeps or like, what, you know, what if we engage, I'm making it up like mascots or something because we know that fans like always, always love mascots and we can get some engagement there or whatever. And just like, you know, kind of ping pong back and forth until we get to something that is a little bit more turnkey. And we feel like we can more confidently say we'll accomplish whatever the end goal initially was. So it's just about being, like I said, communicating and collaborating. That's the uh, activation person in you saying like, we have to be able to execute whatever we sell. Uh, <laughs> well, they have to be happy with it, right? Because also, could pro- like I said, we probably, whatever the initial idea was, yeah, we could probably do it. But are you going to get what you want? I don't know. So let's figure out a way to actually make it worth everybody's while. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's, let's uh, wrap up the episode here with some rapid fire. Uh, All right. I'm not ready. Go ahead. If you know, you mentioned two cross country road trips, you had to have had a favorite state to drive through. So I only drove once across country when I graduated um, from school in Pennsylvania and I drove to Las Vegas for my UFC internship. And I, I gotta be honest, I hated most of it, but (laughs) I, I did stop in 
Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I had a really good steak dinner. I don't know yeah. that I would recommend anything beyond that, but that was that was nice. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, one stadium that you've yet to go to that you'd want to watch a game at doesn't matter what sport. SoFi. I haven't been to SoFi yet. You're not that far away. No, I go all like in LA all the time. I was in LA this weekend. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a travesty. I shouldn't have said it. It's like actually embarrassing. You got you got to align the schedule there. That's yeah. that's a scheduling issue. <laughs> um, when you think about the brands out there that you've gotten to work with, what's one that you haven't gotten to work with that you want to? Hmm. Um. Pepsi comes to mind. You've been to all places that are Coke? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's... Well, and like, you know, worked with Gatorade. Okay. But not with Pepsi. Not with Pepsi as a whole. Okay. Uh, last one for you. Sports doesn't exist. You can't work in sports. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Probably something... Well, you know, ideally, I would be like a traveling food critic. Because I first stop, first stop, Lincoln, Nebraska with the steak. Well, that might be like a little bit further down the list. (laughs) Traveling Um, food critic. Yeah, because I like, I love to travel. I love food. I have an excellent palate. Be great. (laughs) What's okay? So one more follow up. I can't just stop there. (laughs) What's 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 the country that's going to have the best food that you're going to? Ooh. That's hard. I mean, my first thought is like, you're going to Italy or France or, you know, but. Yeah. My first thought was Japan. Oh. Um, but also you'll, you would find me in, in Italy and France too. Not saying no <laughs> to that. <laughs> you're traveling the world. You're traveling the world. Yep. <laughs> Caroline, really appreciate the insights, advice, thoughts, perspectives. I really appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Uh, Certainly looking forward to what you accomplish uh, in the near future and and further on and uh, have you on again in the near future as well. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.